there has been a Broadway shutdown and we have to talk about it. And it's going to be difficult to rebuild audiences after a month off. We're all using the online platforms more than ever right now. And if you can use that to your advantage, I think go for it. I'm excited that we're part of a community that is doing this. Tweet us if you want to hang. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. Today's episode is different. We are interrupting Hamill March. It will resume on March 30th. But the reason that we are interrupting Hamill March is because, as I'm sure everyone is aware, there is a lot of news that is happening in the world. The world is kind of crazy right now. And due to COVID-19, there has been a Broadway shutdown and We have to talk about it. So we are doing our part, as everyone has said, to social distance. And we are finally trying out Zoom, actually, which is a recording platform that we're using to talk to each other. We are all in different spaces. Let's talk about it. Broadway is shut down for the first time, did you say since 1975? No, this is the longest shutdown, I think, ever. We're still at the beginning of it, so who knows what will happen, but right now this is the longest scheduled shutdown. There have been other shutdowns due to um, musician strikes or stagehand strikes, or after September 11th, they were shut down for a few days, or Hurricane Sandy, they shut down for a few days, but the current plan is to be over a month of complete shutdown, no Broadway shows running at all, and all of them together. Yeah, so as of today... Um, Broadway is suspended until April 12th. As we are recording, it is March 14th. So as I've said, just about a month. Um, Something for us that's interesting is we actually had a trip planned to New York the week before Broadway is supposed to resume. Yeah, we were supposed to go April 3rd to April 6th, 5th. And we had tickets so far to Assassins, West Side Story, and we also bought a show at 54 Below. Since the Broadway shutdown, we have been fully refunded by Telecharge for West Side Story and 54 Below. I'm waiting on my credit card, but they've been very prompt in sending me emails saying that they're going to refund, which I really appreciate. They're obviously Mm -hmm. very busy. On the flip side, and it's also something that I know is a waiting game right now, but for Assassins, because it's an off-Broadway show and the mandate in New York City, at least, is that there should be no gatherings of over 500 people. I read that the capacity of the Classic Stage Theater is about 200, so especially for off-Broadway shows, it's unconfirmed what is going on right now. Each show is doing a different thing, so it seems, so I have not gotten an email back from Classic Stage Company. I mean, we aren't going. We have to cancel all of our travel and everything, and for us in Canada, we have been advised not to travel outside of the country, so there is... No way that we will be going, but I think it's just one of those things that we will have to play a waiting game with Classic Stage Company. They have sent out an update on their website saying that they are dealing with it and to just give them time and they will have more information as it comes through. And I think that it's super important to talk about the fact that everyone right now is kind of at a standstill. So as frustrating as these things can be and not getting information that you want, I mean, I haven't even reached out to our travel to cancel it yet because there have been notifications saying that if your trip is not in seven days, do not come and contact us because the phone lines are ringing off the hook. So everyone just needs to be super patient. We will get the answers, but I think everyone is just trying to figure out everything right now. It feels like everything is moving so, so quickly and then at the same time so, so slowly Mm -hmm. because there's so much uncertainty in how long this is going to last or what we should expect. And with something like uh, Assassins at Classic Stage, even though it's only 200 people, I think they're only supposed to be playing to half capacity. I don't think they're going to give us a problem about a refund, but just waiting on that confirmation. Yeah, and just to speak off of half capacity, this is, as of last Wednesday, or I guess this Wednesday, there was a bunch of shows all across the states that were just going to change their mandate to playing at half capacity. And what that meant was that they would ask people to volunteer to switch their ticket dates. We haven't heard any information about that yet. That might be the case. If that is the case, of course, we are volunteering to not see the show on that date. Um, Something like Assassins is super interesting because it's a limited run. So is it a case of they cancel it fully? Do they move it into the summer? I don't know. Yeah. That's the crazy thing about these limited runs is that people have jobs booked after. They have other contracts. 
they only have the space for a certain amount of time. Some of the things that are really suffering in the shutdown are the limited runs because who knows if they'll be able to reopen or if they'll be able to even open at all. Mm-hmm. Something like the minutes on Broadway, which had just started previews, and by the time the shutdown is over, the run would have been almost over. Mm-hmm. And the speculation is, yeah, that show's probably done on Broadway. Who yeah. knows, but it might just never get to open. Yeah, and just to jump off of that, a show like Emoji Land, their run was supposed to finish again soon after the shutdown or possibly, I'm not 100% sure exactly the date, but they had announced that they are just ending early. A lot of performers played their last performance without ever knowing. Yeah, so just to speak off the rest of the world right now in terms of theater, it seems that North America is shut down for theater. We just got an email this morning from Mervish that Toronto has suspended its productions. That's right now until April 12th. It's Hamilton, Summer, Us Them, and Come From Away. And that The Boyfriend, which was going to make its premiere I guess it's Canadian premiere in Toronto, starring Kelsey Grammer, coming from London, is cancelled, just outright cancelled. The run was supposed to be from March 29th until May 5th. Yes, as they said in the email, it is not advisable to have um, a foreign company come in and travel right now, and so for the safety of the actors and performers there, and for Torontonians here, it just doesn't make sense. But it does Mm -hmm. leave the whole season up in the air. It's crazy that this, I mean, this is not the biggest consideration here, but it's crazy that this happened during the long-awaited Canadian premiere of Hamilton yeah. here in Toronto that people bought subscriptions for years in advance to make sure that they had access to tickets, that there was a whole complicated ticketing system and people worked so hard to get tickets and spent a lot of money on tickets and everyone's going to get a refund. But even though the priority is keeping everyone safe, there is still definitely a disappointment in missing something that you were really excited about. And for I was sure. thinking about how crazy it is that you plan and work so hard for something or spend a lot of money on something and then it's all gone within a second. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's interesting for us too because normally when I take a trip to New York and I know that you are the same, I have tickets sometimes bought well in advance. We spoke recently in our first Hamilton episode about you buying your tickets for Hamilton in London over a year in advance. So I'm sure that a show like company and a show like six and a show like west side story there are people that have bought those tickets months in advance and had you know there's just things that they're looking forward to and i think again it's the time that like we just have to wait and see what happens um i know there's lots of talks about how will broadway recover after this but just to talk on hamilton and toronto for a second that show is scheduled to run until may 17th which means that when And if Mervish reopens their doors on April 12th, there is still a month to see that show. However, everyone that in this current chunk of time had tickets to see Hamilton, will they be able to reschedule or is it just... Do they have enough tickets available for everyone? Yeah. And if there's enough shows and everything like that, I know that on Twitter, people are asking if Hamilton could stay longer. This is a tour, so it does have a next spot. They have an engagement after. That's the transient nature of theater is that it's always moving, always changing. And so we were even speaking about Joseph Morales, who was playing Hamilton here in Toronto, and he was scheduled to leave in March 29th. And he took his last bows as Hamilton without even knowing last night. Something that is kind of confusing to us is the fact that the West End is 100% open right now. And we don't know why. I know that the only change that's been made so far is that Sarah Bareilles and Gavin Creel have left Waitress in the West End earlier than expected. But other than that, shows are all on. So I don't know why there's no specific mandates happening in the UK right now. As we know, Europe is a super hot spot for this virus. So it's it's just strange to me to have nothing put in place for that. Yeah, it has definitely been surprising how relaxed the UK has seemed. Yeah. (laughs) Here, starting from Wednesday night until now, it's just been a wave of cancellations, closings, and it does not seem, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I just haven't heard as much, but it does seem that the UK, England, London have been business as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, very different from what we're experiencing here. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, just to continue the conversation on Canadian 
performances that have been suspended. Stratford, which normally starts their season in April, is now pushed until May 12th. Grand Theatre London has completely suspended their entire season. Uh, Room, which is still scheduled to come to Mervish in April, has been canceled indefinitely in London, as well as their upcoming production of Grow. And they had a few other productions scheduled for this year that are just not going. The rest of their season is done. Mm -hmm. Um, National Ballet in Toronto is postponed. Oh, I guess like Meridian Hall is closed right now until April 12th. Roy Thompson Hall. Tarragon closed. Mm -hmm. Crow's Theater is still going this weekend. Interesting. They're very small spaces, but I I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting too for stuff like that. Again, if they're doing the 50% capacity, um, but just actual movie theaters are still open as we know, but there is a at least Tiff Bell Lightbox has enforced this rule that there is a three-person seat in between everybody. But yeah, it's just a crazy time right now. <laughs> Toronto seemed, not to act slowly, but New York, it was from the governor who said, we are closing Broadway, this is shut down. Whereas Toronto seemed to take a bit more time because there was no edict coming from above saying, you have to close. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of theatre companies and theatres, particularly Mervish, were holding out, hoping for that honestly, for insurance reasons, because if they're forced to shut down, they can make an insurance claim. And if they're not forced to shut down, if they make that own choice by themselves, then the insurance claim is going to become a little bit more difficult. So I really think that's what Toronto and Mervish was waiting for. But when that didn't come or never came, it seemed like they had to make the difficult decision on their own. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this a lot last night and we were shocked, honestly, that as soon as the public health put out a new Toronto public health, I should say, put out a new statement of that no gatherings over 250 people. And in my mind, I'm like, wow, there's a performance of Hamilton going on tonight with an audience of 1300. That seems wrong. And I know that there's a lot of people that are upset about the fact that the announcement today came very close to the matinee performance as people were on their way down to the city to watch the show. Again, it is what it is right now. And I think it's just asking people to be pretty patient about all of the information that seems to be coming our way. That being said, what does this mean for the future of Broadway and theater post April 13th? That's a very good question. You know, long running shows, successful shows, Wicked will probably be fine. Book of Mormon will probably be fine. Hamilton will probably be fine. But it's those smaller shows that were kind of on the edge, just breaking even, or still trying to recoup this month-long loss for them is going to be difficult and it's going to be difficult to rebuild audiences after a month off. Yeah, I mean, we were very young when 9-11 happened and I know that after those two days of not having shows play, some theaters started to play to half capacity because obviously people were afraid to go into a very public place like that. And they just didn't feel like celebrating or didn't feel like the mood was not to go into the theater at that time. And, but people needed to start going back to the theater to bring New York back to normal. I feel like, although it's not the same, that getting back into a theater is going to be difficult for a lot of people. I mean, it's funny to say that on Wednesday night, when all of this started happening, you and I were at the Princess of Wales and Shara was at the Ed Mervish Theater. So <laughs> we all saw a show as things happen. And when you and I got in the car, just like the updates started pouring I'm like, through. like, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. Yeah. I didn't feel scared going into the theater, which I know that a lot of people might feel differently on that. I feel like the last 48 hours have put more panic into my mind about where and where not to go in such a public scale of places. And and what's to say that everything is going to be fine as of April 13th? Right. And I do think they'll have to reassess um, closer to the end of this shutdown for everywhere. And I don't think it's a guarantee that everything will reopen after the shutdown is over because we really don't know what's going to happen or we really don't know how COVID-19 is going to affect America, particularly big cities like New York and Toronto. A show that pops into my mind in all of this is Beetlejuice, a show <laughs> that true. is scheduled to close June 7th. And they have there are rumors that it will be moving into the Barrymore. I know that there's a lot of people asking, is this the time to sit down and plan a move? But as far as we've read, this would be a multi-million dollar move to 
pick up that show and go into the Barrymore. I feel like this is a case of this show might be over. It does change a lot of considerations, especially because now they're losing this month of revenue. Mm -hmm. Something else that's interesting is the night that Broadway shut down was supposed to be Six's opening night. This is a show that is so highly anticipated this season on Broadway. As you guys know, we love Six so much. And there was so many takeovers that were expected to happen on Instagram that all of a sudden everything just got cut short. Rightfully so, obviously. With the shows resuming on April 13th is interesting in itself because that is 10 days from the Tony nomination cutoff. The Tony nominations as of now are scheduled to go on April 28th. So the cutoff is the 23rd. Are the Tony Awards even going to happen this year? I think the Tony Awards will happen, but I don't think that the cutoff day of April 23rd is going to remain. There's just no way. Now there's 10 shows that I think they're hoping to still open. Maybe some will get delayed into next season, but that they're hoping to still open that they have to all open within 10 days. There's I no know. Way. I mean, I did read something funny on Twitter about the fact that this hiatus from shows will allow everyone's voices to be top-notch the riffs will be amazing <laughs> everyone's gonna sound so great so if anything this could make it harder for the nominators. i read that too you know there's only so many people that can be nominated for these awards i know there have been jokes about the oscars if the only the movies that are have been released will be released the categories are going to be great margot robbie for birds of prey is about to win <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this does remind me a little bit of that year maybe 10 years ago maybe i'm wrong uh with the writer's strike where they kind of i think they did the golden globes and they just read the names off of a list mm -hmm. and that was slightly different i wonder if people will want to have a big party a la the tony awards yeah. to kind of celebrate being back if we're able to be back by then they might be a bit delayed i don't think the date of june 7th is going to hold but yeah that's true i mean we were saying i mean this does not even affect us in the slightest but it really changes our podcast schedule because we had <laughs> shows that we were going to review. We also were planning to do a Tony nominations episode the week of the nominations. And then, of course, I mean, we always have a Tony viewing party. So is it a Tony Awards in July? Is it a Tony Awards in September? We have no idea. I mean, as you were saying with the writer's strike, there's also a possibility of is this a Tony Awards with no audience? I know that in the front sections of the, of Radio City anyway. It's all actors, but there is an opportunity for fans to buy tickets. Will that go on? Another ceremony that I'm thinking of is the Jimmy Awards, which is also around that time with, unfortunately, schools being closed, which that means that high school productions are also not happening right now. So is there a Jimmy Awards this year? And will they want those kids to be traveling across the country so soon after... COVID-19, we don't even know what the status will be at that time. Right. On Instagram right now, at least, Laura Benanti has posted, if your high school production has closed and is not going on, if you would like us to listen and hear you guys sing some of those songs, you can use the hashtag Sunshine Songs. And it seems like Lin-Manuel Miranda is also keeping up on that hashtag because there's been a lot of love from the superstars of the Broadway community on these high school productions. I love that hashtag and I love seeing high school students performing their hearts out. They work so hard and to be cut short and not be able to perform Professionals are experiencing this too, but for high school students who maybe only had three performances or who maybe are in their senior year and will never do a musical again, um, to be cut short in this way is extra heartbreaking. So yeah, love getting to see their performances immortalized online. Yes, I do agree. It's also something that I did before any of this happened. I always <laughs> love watching the high school performances that are put on YouTube. I mean, as we just said, like, I love the Jimmy Awards. There are some amazing kids out there and they are doing some amazing things. And it is devastating that these shows won't be able to go on. But if it is a case that there are rights to put some of these performances on YouTube or some way that people can watch them, maybe like a Facebook video, why not? It seems like we're all using the online platforms more than ever right now. And if you can use that to your advantage, I think go for it. 
I participated in Playbill's Smash rewatch last night. I watched yeah. the pilot of Smash, and maybe I'll be watching episode two tonight. You know, yes, Playbill is. We're doing... here for the community online. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. So the Broadway community was strong, obviously, as we know before. Um, it feels like everybody has rallied together right now. So to continue off of that, Playbill, yes, has sort of teamed up with NBC and they're streaming online to give us Smash, and they are showing Smash for thirty-two days. I think it's until Broadway reopens, I believe. And they are asking people to live tweet along. Um, (laughs) Someone to watch on Twitter and on Instagram and everywhere right now is Andrew Barth Feldman. He is watching Smash live with everybody else. He is retweeting. Catherine McPhee asked him to post videos of himself watching Smash, which he did. He has also joined forces with a team of actors, which this now seems to be something that will continue for the next little while. He is going live on YouTube and I am not familiar with Jackbox, but I assume that it is some sort of a thing where you can play different games. Last night he played games with stars of Broadway like Will Rowland and Alex Boniello, and it seems that today there's been a lot of reaching out to him. We've got Stephanie J. Block, Laura Benanti, Lin-Manuel Miranda. So these are like superstars of Broadway that are reaching out to this teenager asking to be a part of his Broadway community and resurfacing everything online. Something else that's happening online is Broadway World is doing living room sessions. Um, Catherine Gallagher's was released yesterday. She is singing You Learn from Jaggy Little Pill. And Alan Henry tweeted saying that this is something that a lot of people have reached out to him and they're super happy to record themselves in their living room just singing a song from their show. I love this. It shows you just how powerful theater can be. I mean, forget just these separate streaming things, but people are also performing on Instagram stories, it seems. Um, Kyle Seelig performed some of his original music on IGTV. Um, As you know, because I've sent it to you, Antonio Cipriano and Renee Rapp seem to be going through the Jag Little Pill cast album and dancing along with it. (laughs) So it's just people like having fun and trying to keeping themselves entertained while this is all happening. I mean, Broadway and theater in general has always been about community, about people coming together to watch a performance. That is what is magical about it. It's that the people on stage and the people in the audience are all there in that moment. And unfortunately for the next month, for everyone's safety and health, we cannot all be in the same room to experience theater together. So these little ways we're using technology to reach out and still provide some entertainment, some relief, some joy, some human connection in this community, I think is really special. And I'm I'm excited that we're part of a community that is doing this. Tweet I us totally if agree. you want to hang. <laughs> yeah. We'll be watching Smash. We'll be talking about theater. We'll be we'll be sending each other everything. Um, something else to show your support and something that people are asking, specifically actors are asking their audiences to do, if you can do this, is to donate to the Actors Fund. We don't know the extent of what's happening with actors being paid and crew and staff of the theaters and everything like that. It's also unknown if Broadway will take the lead as the other major players have around the world. You know, the NBA, the NHL, we have players that are donating money to have their full-time staff and part-time staff in arenas be paid fully as if the games are happening. I know that there was a call out online from people asking the shows that have recouped to donate some money to the Actors Fund. Besides donating to the Actors Fund, you can find smaller theaters in your community and donate to them because they're probably taking big hits from not being able to perform their shows and they rely on that income from ticket sales or even uh, buying tickets for a future date so that they have money coming in. Or I've also seen buying gift certificates to theaters um, so that they have some cash flow and are able to stay above water during this shutdown. Another way to get your theater fix is to... Use the streaming services that are available out there to us. Broadway HD, I feel like, is going to be booming more than ever right now. Broadway (laughs) HD is kind of a subscription service. I don't have it. You don't have it either. I know that there are a library of their own shows on there, like Phantom 25th Anniversary, She Loves Me. I know Kinky Boots recently got on there. So that is a way to watch these shows. There is also 
on different streaming services, Netflix is still showing Shrek. I highly recommend it. Shrek is a really fun time. Amazon Prime has SpongeBob, which we actually watched when it was released for us in Canada. It was on YTV. I don't know where it was playing in the States, but it could be on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. There you go. It could be on demand on one of those things if you don't have Amazon Prime. On Disney Plus, Newsies is on there, as well as Encores, which is not technically a show, but it's these high school students that are reprising their roles in the musical theater shows. Um, It's very emotional. If you want a good cry, I highly recommend those shows. And then just to keep on the musical theater train, it has High School Musical, the musical, the series. So if anyone has not watched that show yet, now is the time to binge watch. And then also, just as I spoke on earlier about the Jimmy Awards, the Jimmy Awards actually have some of their ceremonies on their YouTube page. So if you want to give yourself a good three hours and just love all that, it's there. I highly recommend. (laughs) Oh, I love the Jimmys. Those are a good feel good uh, time. And I hope they get to happen this year. Me too. Even though we're in a shutdown right now, we've been lucky enough to have seen a bunch of shows recently. So let's just kind of touch on those. We saw Sunday in the Park with George, which was Eclipse Theatre Company, and it was at Jam Factory. And it was a very kind of, not experimental, but it was a site-specific production of Sunday in the Park with George, a show we'd never seen before, starring Evan Booling and Tess Banger as George and Dot and a bunch of Sheridan students as the ensemble. And for a show we'd never seen before, I was, I cried. It was, I loved it. Yeah. So we had talked about that that space is not your average theater space. I mean, you said that there's weddings that happen there. So obviously it's a very universal space used for a lot of different things. The show is beautiful. The one problem that we both had was that because of the space that it was in, they weren't using microphones and we were sitting super close to the band. The music kind of drowned out the singing. However, the performances that we did see were pretty amazing. Yeah, the sound mix was not great, uh, but I was really excited to see this Stephen Sondheim show. It's one of those ones where he, his act one and his act two are so completely different from each other, a la kind of an Into the Woods. And act one of George creating this painting until finally during the act one finale of Sunday, where he's arranging all the characters and the ensemble into the painting. I, as soon as the first notes of that song started, I immediately started to cry and it just, it was so exciting. Especially because they had the ensemble on stage singing and then there was a chorus of kids from Cardinal Carter High School singing as well. So the sound was surrounding you of all of these people singing Sunday. It was too much for me. (laughs) I will say that the first thing I said to you as soon as we walked into that space was, if they don't end this in a tableau, I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) They did not disappoint. No. It was, I was wondering what they were going to do because it was a space in the round with audience on either side. So they started with a tableau facing one side and then at the end of Act 1 and at the beginning of Act 2, the tableau was the opposite way for the other side. So they kind of mm-hmm. fit it to both sides. There was also an artist on stage, Lori Mirabelli, who was painting. She was sort of working directly with George the entire time. So anything that he was doing, she was also doing. Are we going to spoil this right now? Because I kind of want to spoil it. It's a 30-year-old musical. Let's go. Okay, great. Something that we didn't know as we were there, but we found out after the fact, everything that happens on stage does not actually happen, which is kind of Yeah, it's not true. Yeah. It's not a true story. His entire relationship with Dot, which, again, Tess Banger was amazing as Dot. Um, For anybody that knows of Lauren Marcus, I think she looks exactly like her. Um, But her (laughs) voice was crazy good and her acting was stellar. So to see their relationship be built, I don't know, I was saying to you, I think that it would have been more devastating for me if I knew that 
their relationship wasn't real at all. If you knew before that what we were seeing was fictional. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I thought going in, if I thought it was real or not. I guess I kind of did think it was real. And then Googled after one on Wikipedia was like, who is Dot? And turns out she was yeah. nobody. Um, the interesting thing about Sunny in the Park right now, I mean, it is a very Sondheim year all around. It's Stephen Sondheim's 90th birthday. This was supposed to be our Sondheim year. I don't know if it will yes, be. Yes, it was. I know. <laughs> that is so true. I was only thinking about Assassins, but Company, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And West Side Story again. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we have seen two Sondheim shows, th- Sondheim shows this year. But what I was going to say is that Sunny in the Park with George mm-hmm. is actually going back to the West End super soon. Mm. I believe it's in June, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Annalie Ashford. Um, if you would like to listen to them saying they did do a cast recording and that is available on all streaming services it's amazing i think i've put in an episode before them singing move on which can confirm that that song is very emotional on stage as well but yeah just final thoughts on that show i feel like act one is amazing act two is very interesting but it ends well yeah i would say i love act one and i think act two makes you think a little bit but i don't need it yes it is almost a three-hour musical which I was also oh not God. aware of. Those chairs were so uncomfortable. Um, they were so uncomfortable, but it was fine. Um, the next show, I actually went to San Diego super recently, and I wanted to experience a show at La Jolla Theater, which sadly it is now closed, um, as is the other show that's playing at La Jolla. But I went to see Fly, which is a take on Peter Pan, but it is specifically focused on Wendy. Um, the show is interesting. It's very fun, a la The Lightning Thief, and the book, I think, needs work, and the songs are not super great, but the performances are amazing. And you and I were talking a bit about La Jolla in general mm-hmm. and why actors like to go there. It was one of my favorite theaters I've ever been in. The leg room was so good, and that is very important to me. And it's also 100%. very small. So I sat second last row. I will say for La Jolla, and I think that this is something that is always at that theater because it is in their special discount section on their website, but I got a $20 ticket because I am under 30. So I think that that's something that is always there. There seems to be discounts on their website all the time. So when theater does pick up again, make sure that you check those out because those are things that they're not on like the Broadway World boards or anything like that, but it is specific to their website. Um, but yeah, the cast of that show, we're talking like Broadway names. So Isabel McCullough, Eric Anderson, Storm Lever, uh, Lisa LaFontaine, who's from the West End. So just some of those names there. It's pretty exciting for a kid's show, I think. And I will say that the flying was amazing. There were moments that one second they were on the ground, the next second they're doing like backflips in the air. And I loved it. <laughs> it was really fun. And is, the kids in the theater had a great time. That's awesome. Is there any like cast recording or recordings of any of the music from this? I don't think so. I know that their opening night was a couple days after I saw it. And this is actually the third out of town that they're doing. Right. Um, I don't know that this show is going anywhere, but there's an all-female drum <laughs> line. So it's really fun. I don't we know, love there was that. A kid sitting. Yeah, we do. And there was a kid sitting behind me that was in theater or taking external drama classes or something like that. And she said that she wanted to sing one of the songs for her talent show. So let's hope that there is some sort of a cast album recording coming out, especially because the show, unfortunately, is done now. Um, Fly is completely affected by the theater closures and they will not be picking back up. I wonder if it will go to another city to have some sort of a limited engagement. It's unknown. But yeah, at this point, I feel like with shows like that specifically, like if they could give us some online content, that content, that would be great. Yeah. A lot of shows are going to have to pick up the pieces and figure out where to go from here um, Mm -hmm. after the shutdown is over. And Fly is definitely one of those. Will they reopen? Will they go somewhere else? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the last show that we saw, and it's possibly the last musical <laughs> that we will see for a long time, was Summer, the Donna Summer musical. What a musical to see, to have that distinction. Wow. Wow is right. So we had read about Summer very briefly when it was on Broadway. 
Mm-hmm. It was also not on Broadway for very long. I understand okay, why. It was there from from Tony's to December. So eight months. That's a long That's time. eight months too long. That is eight months too long, honestly. <laughs> Before we went into summer, we were like, oh, great. It's Donna Summer Music. Awesome. It's a 100-minute musical. Even better. This 100 minutes wow, felt like it longest. was four and a half hours long. <laughs> I... So I am someone, as we've said, who likes to read the song list during the show because I want to know where we're going. And at some point, I thought we'd been in there for two hours. I look at this song list. We're five songs in. And I'm just, I can't take this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I really could not. Um, Yeah, it was was interesting. (laughs) But to have a show start off with an audience track, I knew that we were going downhill from the moment it began. Yeah, we were right at the back uh, of the orchestra, so the audience track was right near us, I felt. Whereas maybe if you were closer yes. to the front, it wouldn't have been as obvious, but it felt like the speakers were right to our ears of this audience track, and we were dying. All we heard you was, know? And we, were, we were laughing the entire time, and all you, that Donna. we could hear was, yeah. <laughs> and Donna talks a lot to the audience, because when it first started, we were like, oh, is this going to be a concert? It's not a concert. Honestly, should have been a concert. <laughs> there were certain moments that would be more like a concert, and then there would be concert moments interrupted by scenes. Specifically, I'm thinking of the Enough is Enough moment, where her boyfriend, husband, I don't know, I Gunther, guess. is physically abusing her, while the two other versions of her are singing Enough is Enough, and the police come in to take her away, and then they go to the front of the stage, and they're singing Enough is Enough, and I was just... In shock. (laughs) (laughs) What else was shocking during that scene specifically was he slaps her and they had a sound effect that played. (laughs) (laughs) On track. On track. It was... Uh, I don't even know. Other things. The ensemble seemed to be mostly women. And they played women and men, which is fine. But it was just... I guess it just took a few numbers to get used to. It was pretty jarring. Like, they didn't make any attempt to disguise that it was women playing men. And I wonder if that's because they're trying to do a very, like, female-heavy women empowerment musical. But I don't know. Just some moments, the wigs were bad. That's really... I don't know. The wigs were bad. (laughs) Who's your favorite character? Uh, Who's your favorite character? Obviously. Bruce, 100%. (laughs) Shout out to Bruce. He's the MVP of the musical, and he's also the MVP of Donna Summer's life. Also, was fully unaware of Donna Summer's life. Yeah, I don't know. This other thing, okay, you're watching her life, and then they do a flashback to her being sexually assaulted by her priest for five years, and they just kind of like revealed it very nonchalantly and then we moved on from it i'm like wait we need to go back to that because i haven't processed that properly yeah so it's funny because we were there on media night and there seemed to be an audience full of people that were loving their life and we thought that we were alone in the fact that we're like guys this musical is bad like what are we cheering about here to the point that very close to the end of the show there was a sad oh my narration. God. <laughs> okay, can I talk about this? Go so for it. she's singing a song. Do you know what song is called? I don't have the program in front of me. Friends Unknown. Okay, so she's singing the song Friends Unknown. She's at the piano. And these the three screens come down. We'll talk about the screens later. But these three screens come down. And there are pictures. And I'm like, are those pictures at a gay club? And I sniped that right away. One of them is in like a village people headdress. And I'm... I'm watching, I'm like, what is happening here? And then she starts to apologize for the homophobic comments she made at a concert one time. And I was just watching. It was so weird. It's like every night in this musical, she comes out and apologizes. Uh You know, she didn't mean to say that is what she said. And I was just, we didn't need this in this musical. (laughs) We didn't need any of this. And then she came to the front. And hit some amazing notes and really nailed the end of that song. People were applauding. That's fine. And then people started to stand. This standing ovation went on too long. Too long. It was I really- swear, I was being like, we need to sit down because this 100-minute musical that's been on for we four and a half home. hours is I'm too long. I'm over this. Yeah. The most jarring transition was Into that song. It's a hot stuff.
crazy. With the with the sirens going around the entire theater. Yeah, the sirens like... went for hot stuff. I lived though for hot stuff and for last dance, which are the last two songs. Okay, this is my pet peeve. When you have a big dance number at the end of your musical, you need to do the bows first. Okay, especially yeah. this musical had two big dance numbers. You could have put the bows in the middle because if you have a big dance number, you want the audience up and dancing and they're not going to do that unless they've already stood for the bows. Otherwise, we're just like clapping along awkwardly to last dance. I would have danced. Except for the guy in the back who was loving his life. That guy was dancing. Dance party alone. Some people did get up and dance, but yeah. I think they need to tell us to dance. Especially, it would be so easy in Donna's Home with a Musical. Move the bows up a number. Last dance. Everybody, stand up. And then we all like party to last dance. Come on, baby. Or so people leave as they did halfway through the show. I mean, the role behind too. us. Yeah. <laughs> so reading reviews of that show, it felt like we were alone in our opinions, except for my friend Alex, who also hated it. We had the same reaction. I mean, hate is a strong word because we did have mm -hmm. fun for certain numbers of it, but we were just like beside ourselves at how crazy this show was. The, the reviews seemed to be so strange about saying that this is the way that a jukebox musical was meant to be played. I'm like, no, I don't think so. That feels super wrong. And then there's also a part of an, a review that I read and that I sent you that said that the tour cut some stuff out. We we're like, it's already 100 minutes. What did you cut? What did you cut? Especially because it felt so long. I know. Oh, my God. Um, the other yeah. thing that we should point out is that there's three versions of Donna. There's Duckling Donna, Disco Donna, and Diva Donna, which is very similar to how the Cher show plays out. There's three versions of Cher. Um, Cher is a far better jukebox musical than the Donna Summer <laughs> musical. The storyline is just better. We had joked, like, who wrote this book? Because the book is trash. So this is interesting because it's it seems like it's from a very similar production team as Ain't Too Proud, including Canadians Des McEnough and Sergio Trujillo. So mm -hmm. that's all about that. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of a very similar production to Ain't Too Proud, they used the same sort of projection situation of the city names rolling across the top, which I thought was so unnecessary and so irrelevant. Also, we were obstructed to it. To speak on the proje projections, it is one of the worst projections I've seen in a musical, maybe ever. The shoe. The giant The lipstick. Shoe. The Coca-Cola bottle. A lot of stained glass. A lot of stained glass. You d how could you miss it? I miss the Coca-Cola bottle. Um, wow. Yeah, a lot of stained glass. Um, sometimes just like strobe lights almost or like mm -hmm. neon lights happening. Yeah. Yeah. They were sometimes they were very literal, the projections. And yes. we didn't need that. And there was a lot the of cars. things we didn't need. Oh, my God. The cars. I really wanted to see the cars in the light. Wow. The car, like the car chase scene. <laughs> <laughs> the musical is wild. This musical is so bizarre. I honestly, and I mean, sadly, because of everything that's happening, I don't know how many more people are going to see this show. I know. I'm not sure what I the mean, tour schedule is. We paid the right price for these tickets. Um, Which was zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we were but talking I really about... Think everyone needs to see the cars. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about potentially getting rush tickets before I found out that I had these tickets. And... The rush seat was $39, and knowing what we know now, $39 is too much for this show. It's too much. Oh my the goodness. talent is great. Let's just put that yeah, out there. The talent the, is great. The three ladies playing Donna are amazing. Um, yeah, and those new songs are fun, but I really just, I don't, I don't know who was really thinking about the plotting of this musical or mm -hmm. the structure of it or a lot of things or anything, really. I don't know. Summer might end up being the last musical we see for a long time because right as we got out, we got all these text messages that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson had been diagnosed with COVID-19, that the NBA was shut down and it looked like other sports leagues were to follow. Other theaters looked like they might be shutting down. We were wondering about the fate of Broadway or if summer would continue. So it really 
for some reason, summer is the line for me. Summer is the like before and after <laughs> moment. But in this shutdown, we need some joy. And I always get joy from our obsessions of the week. So my obsession this week, are you watching Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist? Oh my God, do we have the same obsession? No! <laughs> okay, we better we not. different songs. We probably oh my God, songs. that was okay. so unexpected. I don't know you were, Am I I watching, know you were watching I watched yeah, the first two episodes and that's okay. it. I've seen them. I don't know what episode we're on. Oh, I think we were only on four or five. Yeah, the interesting thing is when this show first started, they put out a pilot like a month ago. A month earlier. So I watched the pilot mm-hmm. a long time ago, and then I watched the second episode kind of recently. What are your thoughts okay, on I've this seen... show? Honestly, we're enjoying it. It's uh, me, my dad, and my brother watch it. Great. <laughs> and um, the lead actress, Jane Levy, was in another sitcom that me and my dad had really loved before called Suburgatory. So we're excited about this. And I just... I love watching them sing. I think it's kind of interesting, this like added element of her hearing people's innermost emotions. And I think it's got a really fun cast of some Broadway alum, mm-hmm. including Skylar Aston, Alex Newell, um, Peter Gallagher, uh, Stephanie Stiles. So I'm loving everyone on there. Yeah, I think the concept is kind of interesting. Um, it's also something that I found interesting because I was kind of watching Soundtrack at the same time, which that show is not good and (laughs) Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist feels better like soundtrack has the also hearing songs it's not really their inner thoughts but they don't sing them they just lip sync them whereas in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist they actually sing them and I think the performance Mm -hmm. moments are cool I also think I don't know because I again have only seen two episodes like how does this end is the question because she you know she had the MRI there was the earthquake and then all of this started happening. It does feel a little problem of the week now. Like every week she hears a new person's thoughts and then she figures out how to help them. And then at the end of the episode, maybe she helps them or she learns something new about herself, about them. Every week right. seems to have that same structure, which is fine. I don't know how much longer they're going to go. I think the interesting thing is, you know, her dad is unable to communicate, but she can hear him singing. And I that's like emotional when he's singing True Colors. And she was able to hear what her dad was thinking for the first time in a long time. So it's it's interesting. I'm enjoying the music mostly, but the story okay. is okay. So what is your obsession? Okay, I am going to, my obsession is going to be one of my favorite theater voices, which is Skylar Astin. I am I think we him. have the same obsession. No, it's different. I know what yours is and mine's different, but we're just going <laughs> Yours is obviously him singing Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, let's talk your obsession first and then we'll get okay. to mine. But okay. we have both chosen Skylar Aston. We've both chosen Skylar. I just think of him on the Spring Awakening cast recording where he's riffing on Touch Me. That is him kind of doing all of those vocal gymnastics. And I love him at the end of episode one singing I Think I Love You by David Cassidy. Hey. I think it's so funny me being very familiar with that song and the character of Zoe not knowing what that song is. So she's waiting for him to get to the chorus to know what he means. And so it's it was funny when he finally spit it out. I think I love you. And she's like, oh, no. And it was very, yeah. very funny. And I just love his voice on that. And I love his voice in general. So that is my obsession this week. My obsession, as we know, is also Skylar Essen. And as <laughs> Steph said, it is Skylar Essen singing Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. I mean, put those two things together and I'll be obsessed with it, obviously. You're the medicine and the pain, the tattoo inside my brain. If any, you know it's obvious, I'm a sucker for you. That comes in episode two, and Zoe is speaking to all of the guys in their tech company, and Skylar Astin just stands up and sings this almost like electric pop sexy version of Sucker. His voice sounds amazing (laughs) on it. 
I mean, it's also not surprising that his voice sounds amazing on it. For anybody that hasn't heard Tyler Aston sing his super musical theater stuff, he's also in Pitch Perfect. So I'm sure if you didn't know who he was, you've definitely seen that movie. Mm-hmm. I love the song Sucker. It's so fun. We love the Jonas Brothers. And I love this new version of the song that they've put out. And I hope that they continue to do some newer pop songs because I've always been a person that loves covers and to hear these songs that everyone is obsessed with on the radio now in a different way, especially from a voice like his. I want to hear more. I liked the moment where uh, Lauren Graham's character's husband came in and they were all singing Superstar from Jesus Christ Superstar as he's walking mm-hmm. down the stairs. Did you see that? You didn't see that. No, you didn't get but there. I saw it on okay. YouTube. <laughs> it was very funny. And that was that was a really funny moment. And it was a perfect melding of song and moment and character. And I thought it was very, very well well used. Now is the time to uh, binge watch, obviously. So as you said, <laughs> there's three or four episodes out of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. If you want to get your musical theater fix, but also have some sort of just music in general, um, we recommend that show. Also, as we said, Smash is on NBC. So if you are in America and you have the access to watch NBC and can stream it, go watch Smash. It's also available to purchase on Amazon Prime if you are interested to see that show there. We definitely have to do a Smash episode in the near future because now seems like Maybe. the time for a resurgence. <laughs> <Maybe now is. laughs> yeah. And... Um, Something else that I think is great to talk about, and it's very relatable to us, if you are tired of watching TV during this social distancing, there are so many musical theater podcasts that you can listen to. And if you want to get your fix that way, the Broadway Podcast Network has some of our favorite people on there as well. If you don't just want to listen to podcasts, there are three podcast musicals that are out there. There's 36 Questions, Loveville High, and there is Anthem. And if you want to listen to us and all of our previous episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. That is iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at off to BOA podcast. That's with the number two. And come keep us company during this Broadway theater shutdown of the next month. Yes. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.